welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I want to read something Lenny wrote. There's a new facet of me. There's a new vantage point. A new angle to see me. I think that's what we're talking about today. There's a new way I want to introduce to you. To some, it might be a reintroduction. To others, it may be a fresh new way of seeing. I want you to see in a new way. I want to clear away all the distortions, all the ways an introduction to falsehood took place in your life. I long to give you insight to me and how I truly see. I'm going to give you some new lenses to see your life through because I'm longing for you to see clearly. I'm longing for you to be welcomed into the great hall of fame, my hall of fame where I have lined up all the surrendered ones, all the ones who longed for me. There's a new depth to this relationship between you and I, the place where death feels beautiful, the place where you never count the cost and the cost becomes so insequential. There's nothing too great. Just fall in love with me. Fall in love with the one that paid the highest price. It's a good word. It goes along with what I want to talk about today, made a couple little slides for us possibly. Um, I want to talk today about the eyes of the covenant and cue eyes of the covenant slide. No? Okay. I thought it was going to be perfect. It just felt like it was going to be perfect timing. I saw the black screen. I thought, no, we don't got none of that. <laughs> Um, so yesterday my, I woke up with this title, the eyes of the covenant. And so I kind of went on this really, really amazing search and I love that. So I had, a, I wrote a couple of things down. I, I wanted to have us pray this little prayer if, if we can, but let's just say it cause it's not going to come up there. Right No, Maybe. Oh, sad. Well, it's the little thing at the top. Maybe. Okay. I, I wrote this thing, and I wanted just to pray it as a prayer. I put it up there, but we'll, we'll just say it together, shall we? This is it, Papa. Y'all all know him, right? Yes. Come and illuminate our eyes. My eyes. Let's say my eyes. To see with the greater supernatural realities then this earthly presence affords me. Come and show me the access point to the vastness of your kingdom realm, which lies within my surrender. It's not my striving. I lay down striving. I lay down anything that makes me think I need to strive. I need to strive. I open my heart today to the expansion of your covenant promise. No longer will I be dictated 
by the author of lies and deceit. But I lay down the entirety of my life for your new perspective today, for your new vision today, and for a new view of this life's landscape. So come and illuminate my foundation so I can see. See my life living the way of Yahweh. Amen. So, you know, we spent last year removing the scales, right? Do you like my shoes? Are you looking at my shoes or my pants? Which one? My socks? And... I don't know, it's just I could tell. So I gotta keep my sanguines focused because they kind of trail off every now and then. And you know, look over here, I have a whole group of them that at any moment they could be right. So I have to be like, hey, okay. So when we remove scales from our eyes, we're actually removing spiritual blindness. I propose that if we have spiritual blindness, it'll sometimes turn into natural blindness. Because, see, I want today for us to try to grasp this thought that we are meant to see in detail things that are wrong, things that from a supernatural God's perspective shouldn't be that way. Have you seen any of those recently? And see, the enemy wants to intimidate you and make you feel like it's bigger than your authority. But see, a surrendered heart's been led to places where your authority's already bigger. You may not be good at it. I love Mendel the other day. She said I was, you were a little uh, awkward. No, what was that word? Something like that. Not real good at it, but it was a better word. Clumsy. She says, I'm a little clumsy with my spiritual gifts. Agreed? But yeah. yeah. it doesn't change the assignment. Right. And the cool thing about God, he didn't really care how, yeah. I, how clumsy you are. Yeah. You know, I'm a clumsy girl. Like I trip on stuff and, you know, I'm just a clumsy girl. My feet are bigger than they should be and I'm just clumsy. And so, you know, the older I get, I've got to have a sidekick because you never know when. And then I got these three lenses. And so everything from here down, I can't see. And so see that he doesn't care that we're clumsy. Just because I run into stuff and knock stuff over doesn't stop me from walking. And see, we've got to have a little more oomph in us that doesn't measure us by failure. And see, the thing of it is when we're led, then God sets us up for experiences, if you will, that show us our clumsiness, but also have an opportunity to show us his great power. 
And so it just depends on which one we're more aware of. As we're immature, we're way more aware of us and our clumsiness than we are his power. But you get a little experience under your belt. Do you remember the first time you drove? You know, I took my driving test on the night that we were playing in the regional basketball tournament in the fairgrounds of Oklahoma City. So when I was taking my test, it was, the car was a different length in the front than what I was used to. So I just went ahead and hit the guy's car as I was pulling in. Now see, that caused me to fail the test. But see, what was really cool, I've told you this before, when I came back two weeks later, they all remembered me. See, that, that's intimidation for a little 16-year-old. When everybody's saying, oh, you're the one that hit the car. Right? Now, see, that's what the enemy does to us. Oh, you're the one that's an idiot. Oh, you're the one that can't do anything. Oh, you're the one. See, he always tries to give us a different identity. That's why I love this little book that y'all are reading right now. He said, he said, this is why there's such a passion in his heart. This is Chris Gore talking for the message of identity. Because remember, the baseline, baseline, foundational truth of our identity is in him therefore we only sin outside of our identity see i grew up and sin was the problem i remember the first time someone said that god's not nervous about sin i said oh i'm nervous because i thought my whole life he was i thought my whole life he was judging me did you know that i grew up thinking that i could be saved one minute and have a th weird thought or have a bad thought and the rapture occur and I miss it and go to hell. Anybody? Anybody? Look, Mendel and Tessa are going, what? See, that's, that's religion. Religion kept us close to God by the fear of hell. Do you understand why that doesn't work relationally? Do you understand this? That doesn't work relationally. So when you run into these people that say things about God, that's why. Just retrain them. Introduce them to a new definition of God. You can't tell them stop. They can't stop because it's truth. So you have to introduce them to real truth, right? That's what I talked about Wednesday night was the voice of the covenant. So I'm talking about covenant eyes today. And I think, let me just read a couple of things I wrote. Um, as I, I wrote down that our spiritual eyes were, are what God created to understand the revelations of God. And see, I was, I was thinking, I was asking him yesterday, I was like, well, if our eyes are so important, then I started thinking about our natural eyes. Why do we have eyelids? And so I went on this little small investigation about eyelids. And see, eyelids were created, I think I maybe wrote it down. The main role of the eyelid is to protect the eye. It's vital that the surface of the eye remains constantly moist. I like that word, moist. So that the eye, so the eyelid is responsible for spreading the tear film 
evenly across the surface of the eye. That's a really cool gig, right? But then I ask him, why did you make eyelashes? Eyelashes are the protector, protective gatekeeper of the eye. It's the first line of defense. See, it's interesting to me how the enemy always shows his hand. He's retarded. Listen, he's stupid. He's so dumb. Listen, last year was the year of perfect vision, 2020. And when I went to the doctor, eye doctor not very long ago, he said it was the worst year for eye diseases because we're not meant to breathe up. And so because we wore the mask, because we were scared and we were protecting ourselves, right? We made a new rule. We created another physical problem. While I'm thinking about this, I'm sitting in line yesterday at Starbucks. And I look in my rearview mirror and there is a girl with the longest eyelashes I've ever seen. They weren't real. And, <laughs> but see, the weird thing about another thing Lou does is he taught women to curl them up. Why? Why is that a fashion trend? We're trying to do what, girls? We're trying, okay, we're trying to be pretty. I thought it would be a little more in-depth than that, but. But see, that's not their, that is not their function. See, we keep twisting and turning things that have a function because of fear, because of desire, and then all of a sudden it's turned into something else. Now Bailey's got to go glue them on people's eyes because they've crunched them and smashed them so much they don't exist anymore. Literally, in my lifetime, I never dreamed I would hear someone gluing eyelashes onto someone's lid. What the heck? But she makes lots of money doing that. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. So see, think about it. That's what you have on a supernatural level. You have a gatekeeper. You have a moistener. They said that if you removed your eyelid, your eye would basically die out in a day. No wonder it's so painful when your eyes dry. Anybody ever had dry eyes? See, the distinguishing point is that our eye is connected to our heart supernaturally. And we have to be able to distinguish that in this journey that we're on. Because the eyes of the covenant are trying to have a function in the supernatural arena. I just told you what your eyes in the natural arena, you've got to make that transition to say, okay, God always does a model in one, right? So me to understand it in the other. They're so connected. Have you figured that out yet? You see, the goal of our lives is to see more things from the supernatural awareness than the natural feelings. If the natural feeling is greater and more mature in your life, supernatural things are not going to be very aware to you. They're going to only come by in a dramatic fashion when all hell has broke loose and you're like, it's not hard to see it then. 
But see, that's why he, it's so important to train this natural side of you to be subservient to the superior realm of the supernatural. And so my eyes of the covenant come from this heart. So let's read about it a little bit. I wrote down this, that this place is, this heart place is the center and seat of your spiritual life. This is, this is how you see supernaturally. Are you going to be able to make this transition today? Okay. It says it's, it's the, the foundation and seat of my thoughts, my passions, my desires, my appetites, my affections, my purposes, and my endeavors. Sounds like a pretty important part. And see, part of what, why he wants us to learn so much about delight is when I realize how much he delights in me, then I respond in delight. And he says, what does he say? If you make me the delight of your heart, what's he going to do? He's going to give you all the desires of your heart. These supernatural eyes. Because see, once that I've gone through the delight car wash, I've left all the smallness, I got all the smallness washed off of me. Because that was all based in fear. And so when that gets washed off of me, I'm able to see there's a whole nother reality of why I'm here. I was reading in my alignment book, I mentioned it earlier, but I wanted to read this little snippet to you. So again, he was on his way to the beach. And so he and his friend driving in a torrential rain, all they were doing was declaring blue sky at the beach. That's why I'm wanting you to practice. We've got a little party coming up. I've been watching the weather. I started to not plan anything outdoors. And the Holy Spirit, I, I had just read this article, I mean, this part of the book. And I thought, well, this is a great time to practice. Is anybody practicing? I've been watching the weather every day. It's been going up degrees every day on Friday. So he said this. Hang on, let me start in a good place. He said that we ran to the beach and, and we were declaring at the edge of the water, thank God for the blue sky at the beach. We could delight in this moment and thank God for the blue sky we didn't see because we knew that behind the storm clouds, no matter how distant, there was, in fact, a blue sky. And there was, in fact, a sun that was shining. We chose to identify with... You hear that a lot right now, right? Identify with. People are identifying. They're letting you know. They're identifying with something. If you could just see how the enemy, he's just a punk. We choose to identify with that reality rather than the dark cloud reality. And in so doing, to call the blue sky reality into being. See, you're going to be able to translate this into every area of your life if you just will. We spoke to the clouds and commanded them to part and called out the sunshine, welcoming it to break through the clouds and shine on us. We spoke to the greater reality that was presently invisible to us. See, that's why you have to understand the lies, the things the enemy throws at it, they are the smallest portion. There's a greater God kingdom reality out here. If, if the lie is doing this to me, 
So there's several people in here have had this experience this week. They were just experiencing my message before I preached it. That they were experiencing a feeling that came with a situation, but there was actually an alternate reality that was really going on the whole time. And then all of a sudden, their eyes were open to the alternate reality that was there all along. He said, we spoke to the greater reality that was presently invisible to us. There was actually more clear sky between us and the sun than there were clouds between us. And we called that into our experience. I hope some of y'all do this. It's really fun. I like to do it. This may sound like a ridiculous pipe dream or wishful thinking, but it's actually the perfect illustration of faith. In the heavenly realm, breaking through into our circumstances to bring every sort of miracle. You need a miracle? Remember what I just said about Bill, what he said. Let's read it. Miracles reveal the heart and nature of God. Being able to help somebody have a miracle come into their present life, it's not about you. It's about him. And it, and it says, and it lays out that this is the covenant relationship between God and man. What a miracle should do. And it also brings an invitation for a greater relationship. That's why Jesus did miracles. Back to the book. Okay. Hold on. Don't you love Kindle when you jump ahead like to chapter 12 and you're on two? He says, the perfect illustration of faith in the heavenly realm, breaking through into our circumstances to bring every sort of miracle. In life, there are storm clouds of sickness, loss of job, poverty, relational dysfunction, hopelessness, and death. But in a realm we cannot see, a realm that is infinite and much more, much greater than our visible condition. We have clarity in the answers to all of our needs. We have an open heaven. We don't even have to pray for that. See, we don't have to pray for the things that we actually have. See, I propose that we have spent more time praying and doing an exercise of prayer for stuff that we already possess as opposed to getting training to use the stuff we already have. And so then we feel really good because we prayed a lot. See, the indicator if our prayers are working is there's actions performed. Not just how I feel. Not just that I got time logged. See, prayer is a communication between God and man on earth to bring the things that are heaven to earth. If I'm not seeing any of the things of earth transformed to look like heaven or heron, to look like heaven, then I'm just praying for myself to have an exercise. Now, it's not bad to pray, but that's not the purpose of prayer. So this is why, of course, he's saying in the book, we do not look at the things that are seen. How many will admit it's way easier for you to just see the natural and comment on it? Would you, is anyone willing to change this? Yes. My challenge is that the scales of your own selfish nature got removed last year 
If we don't do something with that open viewpoint now, this open eyesight now, the enemy will just retake that territory in your life. Remember that scripture about if you throw the strong man out and you don't do something else, he comes back stronger? Why is that? Because that every space has to be occupied by a spirit. Listen, you hear me. Every space is going to be occupied by some spirit, either demonic or the Holy Spirit. Every space, every territory, this life is about territory. It's about dominion and authority. If you don't understand that, then Jesus went and got the keys and handed them to you for no reason. You stuck them in the cabinet. Everyone can look at what's going on and comment on it. It doesn't matter if you say, well, I pray in Jesus' name that blah, blah, blah. If you don't believe that, you're still just commenting. See, you have to say, why am I seeing this? I'm seeing this because something illuminated it to me. Trust me, I live with Pammy. I see a lot of different things than Pammy sees. Oftentimes I can't, I can't believe what Pammy doesn't see. But see, that's just not illuminated to her. It's illuminated to me. I don't judge her for what she can't see, and she doesn't judge me for what I can't see. What, my, what I'm seeing is what he t- is telling me I have authority over. Quit judging each other that everybody can't see what you see. That is a waste of time. I pray that God will hook you up with someone like Pammy where you both don't see the same thing. You're double covered then. See, we're always wanting everybody to feel and believe and see like we do. We're uncomfortable when they see something we don't see when we don't know what to do with it. We're just nervous. Well, I don't know. You're seeing something I don't know what to do with, so it's obviously not God. Move away from me. He says, all of heaven is invisible to us. Duh. But we have, we have to learn that it is a very real kingdom and we have access to it. Yeah. That one bit of awareness should change your life. That you can't see it with your natural eyes. You can only see it with these covenant eyes. You can only see it with a heart that's surrendered. And he has more and more and more. If we get to e- into eternity and it, we can never exhaust all of God, I pretty am sure... <laughs> That we're living by a little less abilities than we really have been afforded. So I'm just trying to get you to exercise some muscles of viewing and partnering. I love God. He loves, to, he loves for us to partner because then we get all the things covered. That's why he says two are better than one. He says it's a very real kingdom. We have access to it, not by our own efforts, our own efforts or goodness, but by his grace. Jesus became the, I love this part. Listen, Jesus became the heir of all things for us. And now he's made us co-heirs with him in all things. Our inheritance is preserved for us in heaven where it is incorruptible and undefiled and doesn't fade. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's what this is about, Jesus. It's, listen, it's kept safely in the bank of heaven where it can't be stolen or depleted. The Holy Spirit is in us. There's the deposit that guarantees that inheritance for you. Oh, that's so good. It, he takes what belongs to Jesus and manifests it to you in you. He's your ability to do the works of Jesus, 
and the greater works now that Jesus is with the Father and they've sent the promise of the Father. Promise of the Father. Promise of the Father. He's a Father. Promise of the Father, which is the gift of the Holy Spirit to be in us and upon us. God is glorified when we take our ATM card to the bank of heaven and withdraw some of our personal assets and we bless, we're saying to the Lord, we bless, he, I love this, blessing the Lord with our whole soul and we don't forget these are all His benefits. That's the benefit package of the kingdom. Have you ever met anybody that won't spend any money on anything? I can't think if there's anybody in here like that. I would look at you right now. We're, none of us are like that in here, I don't think. But I've met people this way. Maybe Mendel's the closest, most frugal person I know. And sometimes I'll just, I'll use her. Sometimes I'll just make her do something that seems wasteful. Just because I like to see that feeling in her come up. <laughs> see, what we were taught, because a lot of us were raised by poor po people, right? We get our priorities all mixed up, right? And so we don't go and access the things that are there for our benefit for us to give him glory. It's, it's, a, it's a whole thing. Wow, you did this for me. I am so thankful. It doesn't do me any good to just leave it there. You're not going to get extra brownie points in eternity by not accessing anything in heaven with your ATM card. And you know what? It has an unlimited balance. There's no fees. You can use it at any ATM. There's no bank fees. See, we have to remember, he wants us to access these things, and he wants to show us, okay, here on earth, this needs something that only heaven, only my access to my bank account in heaven can fix this. We want to live where we never have to access anything. We just, we just try to work for it. We just try to work, 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 work. That's, that's, what, that's the goal. We're going to work, 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 because then we can say we did it. And he's like, I got a lot of free stuff you're not even using. I love this. He says, one of the biggest keys to seeing increased breakthrough is to recognize when God is doing something, I read this before, and to connect with it. So that the one of the ways he shows you what he's doing is through this eyes of the covenant. See, one of the things that we've done in in churchdom and in society is that we're not really sure what our point of delivery is. So we see a homeless guy and we're like, I don't know, should I buy him McDonald's or give him a hundred dollar bill? No, I can't because he might spend on drugs. We got we have all this stuff going on in our mind. Yet, yet he puts us in a tribe of people with needs. Right. You know, we think, oh, well, I'll send my money to Africa. Okay, well, that's good. But we have a whole tribe of needs and things that God's trying to move a whole group of people a certain direction. So it would behoove us to see what God's breathing on, what I'm invested in, what's, what is impacting my life what is giving me nourishment and make sure i'm leaning all of my benefits towards that because that what that would make it expand we we get it kind of mixed up 
Just make some money. <laughs> he says, the more we recognize and connect with what he's doing, the more we see him do. Don't you love that? That's why you have to be led. He's leading us. You know, somebody in here the other day, they got a new job last year, and we started just declaring all these things over their boss. And they were texting me last week and said, he made these two biggest sales of his life, and one day he made $108,000. That's a cool gig, right? Why? Because we declared it last year. Or whenever that was. We've been expecting it. It's not a shocker. So the more we recognize and connect with what he's doing, the more we see him do. It's a delightful win-win escalation. So see, just on practical sense, I'm getting us to practice. We're having a little party. We're having a little community get-together. So it's just a place to practice. See who has enough faith to make the weather be good from 4.30 to 9.30. I want 65 to 70. I didn't put another number on there. That's what I'm wanting. Pray, pray the number I want. Don't pray your 50 degrees or your 80 degrees. Pray my number. See, that's the other thing is that we, we can't see prayers answer because we can't agree. So if you're praying for 50 and I'm praying for 80, what happens? I love Kat Kerr. She says that God never intended for weather to be destruction. He intended us to have authority over it. So that means wherever there's destruction around you, you're not operating in your authority. I don't know. Do you like that? So back to the eyes. I'm going to read you a couple of scriptures. Okay, Matthew 6. It says the eyes of your spirit allow revelation light. To enter into your being. Now you understand that, right? So what we're saying is, is that whenever your spirit man sees something, it's trying to give you revelation into your being. That should change you, right? It says, if your heart is unclouded, then the light floods in. So that should tell us something. We want to be aware if our heart's clouded. I call it the proverbial sweet spot, right? Now, see, in, in this tribe, we're trying to figure out what's God, what's the spirit of the enemy, right? Isn't everybody trying to figure that out? So, is this the spirit? Is this something I'm supposed to pray about, something I'm supposed to cast out, right? We're trying to exercise right, these hands. We don't know how they work. Edward Scissor hands. <laughs> Have you seen him? He's like, he's cutting. I mean, he learned how to do a nice mullet. I mean, you know, we've got to learn how to use these skills, right? Mullets are back. Mm -hmm. Listen, it says, this is a commentary. Your eye is like a lamp for your body. Okay, let's talk about it in the natural. So what you see in the natural, movies are a really good, TV is a really good way whatever, social media, all the worldly media. That's a really good way. Have you ever watched something and it made you feel yucky? Anybody? So what is that telling you? Your natural eye is looking at something. It 
goes in and illuminates something inside of me. Right? Now, what if you override that? Have you ever watched something and you thought, ah, it's not that bad. And then like 20 times later, you can't even remember why you didn't, why you even cared that you didn't watch it. And then all of a sudden you have a new encounter with God and you go and watch it again. You're going, oh, I remember now because my, my, I was all lied in here. I love this. It says the teachings of Jesus are revelation light referred to here. Some scholars see healthy eyes as a figure of speech for generosity. Because, you know, he goes on to say, but if your eyes are focused on money, the light cannot penetrate. He's making a metaphoric statement here. He says, if your eye is healthy and focused, there's your key. Do you hear it? If it's healthy, it has the capacity to focus. See, that's why as you get older, you need glasses because your eye loses its ability, its muscle. to. Your eye doesn't lose its ability to see. Your The muscle loses its ability to focus in and out, so you've got to have help. So that it makes that it makes you be able to see again through a false lens. You still have a lens in your eye. Are you following me? He says, so if your eye is healthy, then it's focused, and your whole body is full of light. But if it's sick or evil, then your whole body is full of darkness. Don't you love that? Either light or dark. I like it where it didn't say, uh, 30% dark. Now, nobody's in, nobody in here is evil, just so I can help all you literal people out. No, nobody, okay? Nobody is in here. Nobody in here is evil, okay? All right? Listen to me say it again. Nobody in here is evil. You religious people, you're not evil, Okay? That's religion. If you love God, you are cannot be evil. So your body is full of light. Quit trying to cast out the darkness. There's none in there. It's a waste of time. Spend all of that inertia and effort and striving on perfecting your gift. Clearly, you're really strong. Because you've been trying to get that evil thing out of there for so long. All religious people did that. Right? We, we want to skip the hot place, so. All that's messed up, just if you don't know. He says, the eye becomes a metaphor for spiritual perception. So let's fast forward to Revelation 3. So in Revelation 3, he's talking to the churches of the last day. And the church that he's talking to that I'm going to mention today is Laodicea. Laodicea means self-righteous or human rights or people's rights. And so he, was, he said to them, let's read it, shall we? I was, I was just going to talk about it, but let's read it. Um, it's 3.14, I think. Where are you, Revelations? I just have 25 scriptures up here, so 
There it is. Revelations 3. Jump down to verse Laodicea starts in 14. Let's just read it, okay? Write the, he, remember who's talking here. This is John, and he wrote the book of the Revelation, right? And he, the, the Spirit told him to write this. So he says, write down the following to the messenger of the congregation of Laodicea. These words are amen faithful. He said that every, every time. He says, I know all that you do, and I know that you are neither frozen in apathy nor fervent with passion. He called them what? Luke. They were Luke's. Okay. I love in the Amplified, he said, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold, invigorating or refreshing, nor hot, healing or therapeutic. You're just neither one of those. He says, how I wish you were one or the other. I wish you were either invigorating or refreshing or hot and therapeutic, one or the other. I wish you were doing something. You're just medium. Vanilla. I'm sorry. Oh, you vanilla. I know. It's not a good ice cream. I'm just saying. Okay. I know. I know. We're, I know we're differing right now, and you probably can't hear anything else I said just because I said that. But, verse 16, because you're neither cold or hot but lukewarm, I'm about to spit you from my mouth, for you claim I'm rich and I'm getting richer. I don't need a thing. Yet you're clueless and you're miserable. You're poor and you're blind. You're barren and naked. So here's my counsel. Don't you love that we have a tribe that believes in counsel? Yes. I went to church all my life and I had never had a mentor. And I was like, I think that's what's missing. We can't do life by ourselves. We don't know what the heck. We are blind and barren. So he says, I counsel you to purchase gold perfected by fire so that you can be truly rich. Purchase a garment to cover and clothe your shameful Adam nakedness. And purchase eye salve to be placed over your eyes so that you can truly see. Now, when you look at, I love the commentary of this. He said that the, the garment to cover your shameful Adam nakedness is so that the shame of your nakedness of you will not be exposed. Christ will be our white garment and our eye salve that helps us to truly see things as they really are. Wow. So think about that. Jesus... He is the white garment and he is the eye salve. So he is the thing that rids our life from guilt. That rids our life from shame. All those things that religion tried to tell you to pay attention to so you would stay away from the hot place are the things that Jesus already is for you. That's part of the package. Don't you love Jesus' package? Don't you love it like, when you go somewhere and you get a welcome basket, like when you go to a hotel or you go, you know, if you have a good realtor, they'll give you a welcome basket when you buy a house from them. And inside it, you're like, what could it be? That's kind of how I see Jesus. It's like I'm never, the basket never ends. I keep pulling out more good stuff. I'm like, oh, well, he did that for me. Oh, well, he provided that for me. Oh, well, I wasn't even using that. You know, it's kind of like my phone is a good example. This phone does a lot of stuff. Like right now, look, there's someone at my front door and I can see them. Isn't that the coolest thing ever? I can start my car from here. I can open my front door. 
I can talk to my dogs from here. I mean, this is a cool phone, right? But see, if I don't punch the button of the app where those things are located, I just know it's here, but I never have access to it or I never use it for anything of my advantage, right? When the guy comes to the door, I just go on there and I talk to him, be there in a minute. I don't have to rush to the door. Why? Because I'm talking to him. See, there's benefits that come with Jesus just like this that we are trying to explore as a family, as a community, and say, what can we invest? We're going to have to change. You're going to have to change how you interact with each other because you're coming into the knowledge that you have more stuff than you knew. We don't have to treat everybody like we're a bunch of orphans and we feel sorry for ourselves and we're all nanny panties. We don't have to. We can say we're powerful people, anointed of God, going out there, breaking through the darkness and bringing the light. And so that's why I love it because think about in this day and time that that this is the church of self-righteousness. That's what's going on. And so all the people in that church, they're blind. And they think they're good. It said that. It's not a literal church. It's in their own heart. I'm good. And, and see, they haven't experienced the eye salve of Jesus. Have you ever had an infection on your eyelid when you wear the wrong eyeshadow? My eyelid's allergic to eyeshadow, so you know when I put something on, my whole eyelid, shoot, he had it for a while, makes me have a puffy eyelid. I don't like a puffy eyelid, do you? It proves to me I'm not supposed to have that on my skin. But anyway, so... See, whenever we have things in life that have caused irritation, so disappointment's one of them. So I was viewing my life through these eyes and I thought something was going to work out a certain way. I just got the puffy eyes. Just put on some mascara I'm allergic to. I just, I can't see clearly. I'm needing some healing ointment on my spiritual eyes to see the landscape of my life different than what it feels like just happened. And see, when we do that, let me jump down here to another really cool scripture. Um, It's Ephesians 4. I want to read John. Let's read 1 John 2. Don't set your affections of your heart on this world. This is John again who wrote Revelation. Stop loving the world system. You know, if you don't know if you're doing that, ask him. The world has a system for everything. Money, family, church, government. The world has a system for everything, right? It's not the kingdom system. And see, what, here's what happens to a lot of us. We come into this new knowledge of the kingdom, but we want to keep some of the old systems that we sort of connected with. Made us feel good. Made us feel safe. Why? Because we're trying to keep our fear at bay. But see, the problem is, is that I'm then in a mixture. I'm actually serving two different gods. See, I can't serve the God of the world system because it's not the God. It's Lou. So he said, don't set your affections of your heart on this world. 
Stop loving the things of the world more than God. I promise you, you can write this down in your little notebook. If you will learn to love God with all your heart, more things of the world He will bless you with because they won't attach to your heart. I like how Bill says it. God will never give us more than would cause our heart to turn away from Him. You want to serve a God like that. Now, can you go make your own way and get your own stuff? Sure, you can. You got to pay for it then. Got to go to work and pay for it. Right? He said, or in loving the things of the world, the love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible. Let me just propose to you. See, God's love casts out all fear. Can I, can I go out on a limb and say every place that we have fear is because we don't know God's love over that circumstance. So that means I have a different God over that circumstance. I have the God of what can I do? I have the God of I've got to do something. I have the God of my, maybe I need to do this. It's, all, it's not Him. Because see, when I'm led, I'm led to things and people and circumstances. He's the leader. If I'm the leader, it's clear. It's clear because I'm scared to death. I love this. This is just John, the loving John. If anyone persists in loving the world, there's no love of the Father in him. Remember at the beginning, I said it's all dark or all light. See, the thing, the thing you have to understand, when it's all light, then I'm constantly moving things out of my life that are darkness, that were darkness, or were ways I believe, were fears I thought, were things I was taught that wasn't Him. I'm constantly getting rid of them. It's like, you know, it's going to make my boat sink. All those thoughts, all that negativity, all that fear is going to make my boat sink. And I can't operate with my spiritual gift when those things are in place. I won't be able to discern which one is which. I love it because I, I made a special note in my notes about what the love of the world, what the world means. Listen to what it means. It says, world affairs, the aggregate of things earthly, the whole circle of earthly goods, endowments, riches, advantages, pleasures, which although hollow and frail and fleeting, stir desire and seduce you away from God and are obstacles to the love of Jesus. Dang. That's the world system. He said, don't do any, have anything to do with it. Why? Because it stirs desires and it seduces you away and you don't even know it. That's, the, that's why they call it seduction. If it had a big sticker on it, seduction, then we'd be like, Whoa! <laughs> Get away from her. Get away from him. Wouldn't, wouldn't we? If, if he had a little red pitchfork, and right? That's why it says he masquerades as an angel of light. Lou knows how to fake it. That's why you have to have discernment. That's why you have to be led. That's why you have to have the Holy Spirit operational in you every day. You can't take a day off. I love it because at the end of that little chapter, John said, I'm writing this to you be, not because you don't know the truth, but because you do know the truth. 
And then there, there is no lie in truth. He's, he's saying, I love this part about God. He highlights something and he tells you something that you actually are ready to embrace. I said it Wednesday night. This is your moment. Today is your moment. Grab the eyes of the covenant and say, okay, this is what they're meant for. If I need some salve, I, he's got salve. If I need to cover up something shameful, he can cover it up. This is what I'm meant for. And if I grab it... And I put away all my own desires in the world, the things that my family taught me, the things that some church taught me, the things that some company taught me. And I say, no, I'm just going to be led by you. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide me. All that light that's in you has got to spill out someplace. Let's go to, what was I on a while ago? I like this, 1 John 3. He says, the reason the Son of God was revealed was to undo and destroy the works of the devil. So think of it like this. Here's Jesus' job. I'm going to mess up the devil. I'm like taking that dude down. I'm like messing him up. I know what I'll do. I'll come and live in a bunch of people and we'll all do it. We'll all do it. We'll all do it. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. I know you think that person has a really abrasive personality and they don't understand you, but it's just the spirit they're partnering with. They're not trying to understand you. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> they, they're not sitting at home and I go, man, I wonder what, how Calandra is. I mean, I just really want to get to know what she feels. I think she's a labyrinth of complexity as well. I think I'm going to get to know her. They're not doing that. Do you know most everybody that God sends you to is thinking about themselves? They are not thinking about you. Do you know that you don't even have the capacity to think about others without the surrendering? Because everything comes back to you. I mean, even, even in the surrendered state, we're still thinking, well, maybe if I can heal somebody, I can call somebody and tell them, and now people want me to come heal them. Led. We're being led. The reason the Son of God was revealed was to undo and destroy the works of the devil. Think about it. If you have spiritual eyes, you can see. We, we have this benefit of going to lots of people's houses. Last week, we went to these five or six different people's houses, and, and they've got all kinds of stuff going on. All kinds of stuff. Can I tell you, most of them are clueless that they're not even having and experiencing abundant life. What are they doing? They're just surviving. And so when, when you come on the scene and you've had an experience with light, it naturally illuminates in them what's dark. They can't hide anymore without you even trying. Just, just you being there. And so God's trying to say that I want to undo what's in them that has kept them trapped. It's the 12th man story. Maybe you're number one man. Just be number one man. Whatever that number one post got to do. 
Maybe you're number 12 and you get to tell of it. But there was one, where's one through 11? You don't know them. Don't forget there was them. See, because we're all just doing what? We're all just trying to undo the works of the enemy. You don't know what the works of the enemy were in somebody's life. You, you, you don't even know what they all were for your life. See, hopefully when, when God reveals something to us, like today, He's revealing a new side of the covenant that we can think about the voice, we can think about the eyes, we can apply it to the natural world, and we can change, change the natural world with the supernatural world. Hopefully, something's unfolding in you and going, oh, well, there's a whole other piece of this piece of paper. It's way bigger than I thought. Let's turn to Ephesians 4. I'm almost done. Are you still good? Don't go to sleep. I know some of you already have, but try to stay awake. Ephesians 4, verse 17. I love Ephesians 4. You should read the whole thing, okay? Verse 17, the title in the Passion is called Our New Life in Christ. So the wis- with the wisdom given to you from the Lord, I say, you, to me from the Lord, I say, you should not live like the unbelievers around you. They have a way of living, right? Have you seen them? Do you know any? Does anybody know any unbelievers? Do they live like you? Can you think of a couple significant differences, right? um, So don't live like them who walk around in their empty delusions. Now, haven't you discovered, or opinions, haven't you discovered that they think they're right? They're confident. Are they more confident than you? Huh? Are they? Come on, wimpies. Verse 18. Their corrupted logic. So that gives you a hint. That gives you a hint. That's what they're going to use on you. They went to Dr. Google and found them some logic. Right, And they rehearsed it over and over and over and over and over. They're really good at it. To the point that it, he calls it a delusion. Has clouded, has been, wait, their corrupted logic has been clouded because their hearts are so far from God. Next time that you run into one of these people, ask this question of the Holy Spirit. How far is their heart from you? That, That tells you what you're working with. How far is their heart? Can I tell you? What has happened for every single person whose heart is far from God is they got offended. How does offense happen? I think something's going to be a certain way. And since I'm only self-focused, I only see what I did in that situation. I don't see how I affected anybody else. And because these people over here didn't do what I thought they should do here, I'm offended. And then my heart just took a step away. And the enemy does that over and over and over and over and over and over until he makes us physically sick. Because an offended heart will experience personal physical sickness. It's a bitter root. It will grow. That's how you know. So if you know somebody, and ask the Holy Spirit, how far is their heart from you? That tells you what you're working with, right? Listen to this. He says, they're blinded understanding. Because see, what are we talking about today? We're talking about our eyes. 
and our eyes are connected to our heart. They're the heart of the supernatural. That's how we understand God. It's with these spiritual eyes that the understanding of God grows. Not with our natural senses. Now, will God use our natural senses and emotions? And Yeah, He does. He uses all that. But it's meant to be underneath the canopy of the delight. We can't ever forget that part. Because left to ourselves, the old Adam would be something completely different. Right? And you've experienced that, I'm sure, right? Oh, I want to say. Their blinded understanding in deep-seated moral darkness keeps them from the true knowledge of God. So whether you're seeing some big immoral thing going on or some big deep-seated darkness, he's just saying it's the reality because of what I said at the beginning. In your vessels, all light or all dark. There's not dark. There's not a percentage. Because if he's Lord, I'm light. I'm not evil. Did I mention that, you religious people? You're not evil. You're not evil. You're not evil. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you think you're evil? You're not. You're not evil. So that means I am operating from a positive plus light standard. Right? So that tells me if anything bad happens or I mess up, it's just immaturity. It's not evil. Can I just, I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. So can I, I just am telling you the antidote to immaturity is mentoring. It just is because then you have someone constantly trying to trim you down to the filet. Like I said, Wednesday, why would you want to carry around excess fat? That's the part I can't understand. Excess fat is opinions and and right fighting and all those ways that we think that we have to be. They're all from injury. That rhymed. That was really cool. (laughs) Verse 19, because of spiritual apathy, they surrender their lives to lewdness, impurity, sexual obsession. But this is not... Now, see, let me get that, too, because I can feel it in the room. See, everybody's had sexual stuff. Everybody in the world. I know it's shocking to y'all. Let me just help you. Everybody, people sitting next to you in this room have. I know it's shocking, right? Scary, right? It's a big, scary topic. Everybody in this room has. Why? Because it's not scary. Right? It's whenever we have given over to this... uh, pervertedness of it that be, that's that's that darkness in that soul it perverts all the things that god made good god made sexuality is good right the perverted of sexual bad okay but it's just the absence of god we've all been hurt in this area okay verse 20 But this is not the way of life that Christ has unfolded within you. Can you feel it? It's almost like a map in there. And he's trying to unfold it, make it bigger, right? You know, whenever you have a map, you know, and you try to refold them, you know. No, there's no refolding. There's no refolding. We're just expanding. Do you know you're better than you were last year? Okay. All you religious people, you're better. You're better. 
than you were last year. I know you may not feel it, and you don't see that fruit yet, but it's still true. You can't sit here and listen to truth all the time and not be changing you. It's not changing, I know, at this rapid pace you want. Okay, here's part. Another antidote tip is that when you want to advance in discipline and maturity, do the things that cause discipline and maturity to grow. Don't keep doing the things that aren't going to be disciplined and maturity and look over at discipline and spit at it that it's not growing. I mean, you will, this is one truth you'll never change. God trusts those who stirred things well. And you get more stuff. You can pick some other plan if you want. You can go off on the you plan. Right? If you have really experienced the anointed one and have heard his truth, it will be seen in your life. Turn to your neighbor and say, I know you probably don't feel like it, but I've seen Jesus in you. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. And he has taught you to let go of the lifestyle of the old ancient man. The old self-life. Which was corrupted naturally by sinful and deceitful desires that sprang from these delusions. That's just where they came from. They didn't come from God. They have actions, they pay for stuff, they make decisions, delusions keep going. Have you ever seen anybody that you know that you know, that you know that you know is deluded? Right? How do you feel when you're around them? It's such a peaceful feeling, isn't it? Just You just feel crummy, right? And you can't even get anything in there. Have you? You have one of those. I have one of those relatives where I can't. I can't get nothing in there. It's like I don't even want to be around them because, like, there's all they're doing is spewing all their delusions on me, waiting for me to what? I don't know what. But you know, I'm just like, no, I don't have no opening there. That's why he says, don't throw your pearls before swine. We we're so funny when we get a pearl. We're like, i got to share this with everybody that's not safe. I mean, everybody in the world I can think of that's not safe, I'm going to give them this pearl. And what happens? They're like, you're deluded. That's what they tell you. See, you have got to know your audience. It says, now it's time to be made new by every revelation that's been given to you. That's what I'm trying to do today. I'm giving you a revelation of covenant eyes and how that they don't have to be sick. They can be clear and what we can do with them, how we can function with them. It says, and to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within you as your new life and live with you in union with him. For God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness, and you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. That's just your realm. That's why you can't be evil, because he made you holy. Quit acting evil and putting thoughts and decisions and trying to get someone to help you be unevil. Spend more time activating and functioning with this righteousness and holiness. So, so discard every form of dishonesty and lying so that you'll be known as one who always speaks the truth for we all belong to one another. 
Dang. Everybody in this room that knows Jesus, we all belong to each other. What you do affects me. Man, if we could only steward that. What you do affects me, what I do affects you. There are people warring and praying and interceding for me to just get up here. That's a cool gig. Says so don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. Don't let anger control you or be a fuel for revenge, not even for a day. Don't give the slanderous accuser, the devil, an opportunity to manipulate you. How does he do that? The slanderous accuser manipulation, all three of those words are in one sentence. That's who we're working with. So what does slander look like in your life? Have you ever had any? How many have ever had any slander? It's cool, isn't it? Did you know immediately it was the devil or did you think it was that person? Huh? Did you know immediately it was the devil or did you think it was that person? See, I love it because that's what turns into manipulation. It's called blackmail, spiritual blackmail. Have you ever been involved in that, any? Where the enemy's holding something over your head? I've been there. Dingle, dangle, dangle. Remember when you did that? Remember, remember when you did that? Remember when you did that? Remember when you did that? Remember when you thought that? Remember when you did that? Oh, somebody found out about that. We've all sinned. We all fell short. Reaching for the glory. Ours or somebody else's. And we went kerplunk. And what he did, scoop. Remember when he scooped? Remember? There he says, scoop. How deluded were you when he scooped? Let me jump down 30. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus. Just get a picture of that. I live in that place. I love Shuji today. She was praying for me. And she said that she saw this picture of where I live. And that the room is made up of the voice of God. And I live in that room. That's, that's how I feel. I just feel like his, that I am encompassed with his voice all the time. And see, he, he's, it's an invitation for you to do the same. It's not just a special Tisa room. Tisa didn't hold her leg up and her arm up and do this. She just surrendered. She just decided somebody's like Yahweh's way was better than her way. Over and over and over every day. Remember what Bill said, if you already know you're a yes, then God can trust you with more. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus until you experience your full salvation. So never grieve the Spirit of God or take granted His holy influence in your life. Don't you love that? I'm just about finished. I really am. I got one more scripture. Actually, I want to say this. Um, John 5, 19 talks about that the reason why Jesus had such an effective ministry is because this covenant eyes was on the Father. Listen to me. Jesus is the most amazing gift to mankind. But the goal of Jesus 
was to teach you to put your eyes on the Father. And when you learn what is the Father's heart and you commune with the Father, then you will do the works and the great work because He will lead you to do the things where He trusts you to do them. And so His ministry was effective because our natural eyes, they are created to see what needs to change on earth by supernatural means. Do you understand today that your natural eyes were not meant to see horrible things, the are-nots, and leave them be? Your natural eyes are meant to see the are-nots and say, I have the authority, the power, and the opportunity. And thank God the awareness that I have what it takes to bring light to this darkness. And that'll change the world. Sort of like drop the mic, but it was drop the phone. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm still on. Sorry. Yeah. That's your response. You know, you hear some good solid truth. Just whoo, throw it down. Well, um, I love this message. I love the title of the message. I love this whole theme that we've been on with the covenant and all that it affords us. And I have I've been really diving deep into some into seeing in the spirit and the spirit realm and so I just had a, a fun little nugget to kind of tie it, tie the, tie it up today. In case you weren't already motivated, okay, if you needed this little supernatural sort of fun thing to tickle your fancy and motivate you, I'm, I'm just seeing this connection with some things I've, I've heard lately. And so um, the eyes of the covenant. So I heard a guy talking recently about um, his revelation that's been poured out to him and his understanding of the scripture, which just blows my mind. It's really, really deep. And, and I don't have all the scriptures to back it up, but I, I sensed in my spirit that he knew, he knew what he was talking about. Okay. So I'm just going to paint the picture, but he talked about, and, and interestingly, the, it, the angels that I'm going to refer to here were in the very next chapter of revelation where we read today. So I just felt like there was something, an encouragement there to tie this together. So the end of revelation three was where she talked about the church of Laodicea and, and the, what was poured out to them or, or and what they were instructed to do and where the eye salve is mentioned and all that. The very next chapter talks about John was taken to the throne room and he talks about seeing the um, four creatures surrounding the throne, and they're the ones who are covered front and back with eyes, with with eyes. And so um, I've just seen lots of references to this lately, but I, this guy was saying that they, 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 all of those eyes are, they have, they're capable of seeing forward and backward in time. They can see all time all at once, but they can also, they also search, he was saying they search the father. So all, they're covered in eyes and they search the Father and they, they search him and they search him. They, I mean, they just, just imagine all these eyes are looking as far as they can see into Father God. But he said, they, all they can see, the, the, the extent of the Father that they can see is his holiness. And so that's why they cry out, holy, holy, holy. He says they search and they scan. And they just say, holy, 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 holy. But he said this interesting point that when God decided to create man, when he made Adam, he made Adam out of a place in his heart 
and out of an inner place in himself that was basically the, the source of love. And he says, this guy was saying that those angels can't see that depth within the father. They can see his holiness. And so they cry out, holy, 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 but they're, they can't see and are un, they're unfamiliar with essentially the love of God. They know he's holy and they are created and it's, they're all about his holiness. But see, we, man was created out of his love and it's a, it's a different thing. So it says, and, and there's, there's, you know, all the scriptures and revelation and stuff that talk about this, where the aim, he proposes that the angels saw the day that God created man and said, what is man? What is man? Because they're amazed by what man came from and what man can see. If we come from the heart of God, we can see the heart of God. We can see the heart of God. I mean, that's our connection. That's our covenant with him. And he said, they, he said that when Adam was made, you know, before the fall, he had supernatural vision naturally. Like he walked in the garden. He, it said that he could see heaven from the garden. He could, he could see it out there. He could see demons outside the garden. He could see, like, a, like we talk about a seer seeing now, where you could see physical things in the room. He was able to see all of that. He could see all the spirits, angels, all of that. But when he fell, he, when, when sin entered into man and he fell, all of his vision was closed. It just, whoosh, it closed up. And he already had knowledge that it, all of that was out there, but he couldn't see it anymore. And he said that's when fear entered the world. It's because he knew it was all out there, but he couldn't see it anymore. But Jesus came to restore us to the original design of Adam. So Jesus came with the white garment and the eye sal salve. I don't even know how you say that word. To restore us to the vision that Adam had originally to restore us to be able to see in the supernatural and to see the very heart of God. And so, you know, there are other scriptures in the Bible that talk about how we are, um, the angels are almost, you know, they're, they're mesmerized by us. And there's places where we, the scripture that talks about us teaching the angels about the heart of God, about love. So I just know there's all this scripture that talks about he can see more. Those angelic beings around the throne room covered from head to toe, front and back with eyes, we can see more than they can. We see a greater depth. That's what our original design is. And so that's, that's what's available to us. But we have to do what that, what that Revelation 3 talks about with the church of Laodicea. We have to set aside that self-righteousness and apply the white garment, apply the eye salve, and to restore this. Everything that Tisa talked about today was to restore us to what was really possible. And so we don't want to minimize what's possible. This is no small matter about what he's given us, the ability to see right now. And, you know, I have to tie this in with... Um, you know, this, this, the same guy I heard him talking about the miracles that took place, like the parting of the Red Sea and the walls falling down about around Jericho. And 
I'll tie this together in just a minute. But, you know, he said, we know that the generation of people who saw the Red Sea part and saw the miracle that God did, then only two of those people entered into the promised land, right? Joshua and Caleb. So the, everybody else that entered into the promised land, were they didn't witness that, the Red Sea miracle. And he proposes that, so all of the people except for two that walked around the walls of Jericho and seven times and saw and shouted and saw it fall, those people did not witness the Red Sea miracle. They wanted to see another Red Sea miracle moment of their own. He says that's why he proposed that's why they were so able to, to walk in silence and to follow these strange instructions because they were passionate to see that moment to see another Red Sea miracle moment on that level. Well, there are all sorts of prophets right now proposing that we are in the middle of a Red Sea miracle on earth right now. And there's all sorts of prophecies about it out there. That the Red Sea, he, there's proposals that there, the Red Sea is parted and God is doing a miracle right now. And, you know, if you remember, um, Pharaoh and his people chased after the Israelites in the Red Sea. And he said, but the wheels fell off of their chariots, you know? And he, this, this guy was saying, don't help him put the wheels back on his chariot. Don't go down in, back into the Red Sea there, what was parted for you, and help him. Don't help the enemy do what the enemy has already done and is trying to do. He's like, we've got to stop doing that. So Jesus came with the white garment, the eye salve, so that we could be restored to see like Adam did originally, see even deeper into the heart of God and know the heart of God and what he wants to do on earth right now today. He made it possible for us to do that. So let's not partner with the enemy and help him do what, what he tried to do in the Garden of Eden, which was to steal his sight from him, to steal the humanity's ability to see and function with God. So let's take this serious. It's, it's on that level. You know, and, and he said that this is our Red Sea moment. If we don't steward this season well, what will the next generation be looking for? If those people had gone back and, and if Israelites had gone back and fixed their wheels for them and put it back on their little cart for them and helped Pharaoh succeed, that miracle would not be something that they testified about. And the next generation wouldn't have been able to march around the walls to tear down over into the promised land. So we've got a responsibility that is no small matter right now, present day. This, like Tisa said, is not just about making us feel better or making life more comfortable for us. This is about furthering the kingdom of God on earth right now and the responsibility that we have for the next generation. So, Papa, we just say thank you for vision. We say thank you for eyesight. We say thank you that you've adorned these angels. You gave them these, these amazing ability to see forward and backward and to search you fully covered head to toe with eyes, but you said that you gave us greater vision. You gave us greater vision to see even what they can't see, to operate with you and to know your heart in the deepest place of your being. We get to see into that and know you intimately in that place. So Holy Spirit, I just say, come and convict us. We say we are open. Convict us and show us the places where we're helping the enemy put the wheels back on the chariot 
help us see the areas where we are actually working against the miracle that you have already provided for and that that is already being worked out in our lives. I just declare today that each and every one of us here is in the middle of a miracle right now. In your personal life, you are in the middle of a miracle right now. So what are you going to do today? What are you going to do tomorrow in the midst of that miracle? And you're meant to participate you are meant to participate in a miracle on a greater level that's happening in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your community, into this, in this church house, in this state, in this nation. And we have got to have vision to see it. So I say, we will see, we will see. So Holy Spirit, we agree with you. We just declare that we agree with you. We agree, we, we choose with our will to agree with what you want to do. We don't have the ability to make it happen ourselves, but we know you have the ability to make it happen. So we align our will with your will and what you want to do, what you always intended for us, what the way you always intended us to see and operate with you. We align our will with that and we say yes. So we say, let it be done in us. Let it be so in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. Okay